We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. I am joined by your friend and mine, Dolomite Dave Martinez, virtual studio back. And we are not together, but we share our enthusiasm for bringing this episode to you. Let's do an audio check, microphone check, check. What do you say, D2? Yes, I am here, and I am in the, I guess, the soon-to-be new studio virtually. I'm at the at the new digs here, and uh, still have need to do some soundproofing. There's a little bit of an echo, um, so that's that's what you're hearing, and uh, we'll remedy we'll remedy that pretty soon once I get uh, settled in. Yes, congratulations, by the way. You, like many, wading into the deep waters of home ownership, transfer, sale, and purchase. Seems like it's coming together pretty nicely. Echo or not, DeKalb County now has another resident with what I would say is that, what's the Georgia Homestead exemption? Yep. Fully qualified? Yep, that's right. Yep. Well done, dude. Well, and and uh, that's not the only thing we can say. Well done. We have managed to pull together a terrific episode for today. We've got the Doctors of Running. This is something we've looked forward to for a long time. Doctors of Running. We'll tell you a little bit about them if you're not already familiar with them in just a second. But D2, we must be having some fun because I cannot believe the traditional summer is almost behind us as Labor Day fast approaches. We have a tradition, of course, that we should talk a little bit about, but is it possible it is already almost early September? It's hard to believe, especially with these with these temperatures we, we're having. Although this week it's uh, it's a little bit uh, cooler. We we've got rain and uh, you know tropical system that's uh, that's cooling things off, but the humidity is still there. But yeah, it's hard to believe that we're going to the you know the back half of the year with uh, Labor Day. So falls right around the co- around the corner. We've got our fall training uh, program that's that'll kick up here soon. But we still got uh, Big Pete Sizzler on Labor Day. And of course, you know, the registration is still open for that. Um, right now, if you go into any of our stores, you will see uh, a mannequin with, uh, with a Big Pete Sizzler uh, shirt from, I think, uh, last year or previous years. And there, and there will be a QR code on there and a couple of, uh, you know, login um, uh, passwords on there that when you register that way, you will actually be able to register for $45, which is $10 off of the current price. Uh, I do believe that the prices will go up here in a couple more weeks. I believe it's uh, like August uh, 26th or 28th, something like that. So you got a, a little bit of uh, time before the prices go back up. Um, but for now, the price is $45. That's uh, $10 off of the current price. Just go into any of our stores, scan the QR code with your phone, and that'll prompt you to take you and take you to a uh, uh, registration page, fill out your information, and do all that. You can only get that discount right now in store using the code and the information provided on the race bib that is on the mannequin and all the details on there. So visit any of our stores. They're at all seven locations and uh, do that quickly. I'll be running the 5k. So I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm really excited. I've been trying to train while, while moving. And so this last week training has, hasn't been quite as what I would like it, but, uh, you know, rest is always good. <laughs> that is true. And what a paradigm of somewhat old 
retailing tactics, meeting somewhat new retailing tactics when you have mannequins that have been around for I don't know how long, seemingly a long time. I remember as a kid seeing mannequins in malls and department stores. And now, of course, they're in our stores. And then you bring the QR code that has been around at least for a little while, but seems to be making a bit of a comeback with the way that we look at menus and the way that we get our information now. So the mannequin and the QR code, a powerful combination of savings. Do not delay. That will not be up until race day, but only for a short period of time. Hustle, hustle, like D2 reminded us. And then D2 also next month, hard to believe, our most northern and, of course, newest Big Peach running company coming to Bartow County, CVL, Cartersville. Here we come right now. Here's what we can say. We believe the grand opening will be September 16th that weekend. We may have a soft opening before that, perhaps even before Labor Day. You'll stay tuned. Of course, best suited to our newsletter and other ways that you're kind enough to track with us. But put this date on your calendar, September 17th and 18th for some weekend festivities in Cartersville. Pretty cool, D2. And these guests that we have talk about pretty cool. It was so much fun to talk to the doctors of running. Yeah, I mean, I I ended up following them uh, through YouTube. Um, I think it was kind of at the start of the pandemic when I started looking at their reviews uh, through YouTube and, you know, getting to see the reviews from a very clinical and very, um, you know, um, from a doctor's perspective, you know, a medical type of perspective rather than um, most of the reviewers that you see out there that are constantly like reviewing shoes, you know, it, you know, always wanting them to be lighter, you know, always wanting the, the prices to be cheaper as opposed to what is a type of runner, you know, and what, you know, what does that particular shoe fit, you know, that type of runner or based on previous injuries, based on running style. Um, because, you know, these days everyone makes a pretty good running shoe. They don't work for everyone, but they're a good quality shoe you know occasionally you do get you know manufacturing defects but aside from that they're all really great shoes they just don't work for for everyone there is not one particular shoe or brand that will work for everyone so to get that perspective and for them to really dive down and geek out about shoes is really kind of cool because they're not looking at the lightest you know weight material or whatever and and you know they're they're just looking at it to get the best uh you know type of footwear for an individual to reduce injury and to promote, you know, better health. So true. And I love when we have these conversations, people who give us props for knowing so much about products in our stores or the lifestyle we serve. The truth is resources like the doctors of running is where we get this type of information. Of course, we have other places we seek out as well, but we get information in a variety of places. This is one of the best places to do just that. If you're not familiar with the Doctors of Running, it is doctorsofrunning.com. You'll get information, as D2 said, about very specific shoe models, perhaps one you're wearing, maybe one you've considered. You'll get all kinds of information about how shoes are developed, whether it has to do with midsole technology, whether it has to do with relatively new technology like carbon plates. There's all kinds of science and history that goes back 
to how footwear was originally designed for runners and those of us who do it to this day. For those of you who are avoiding or perhaps even coming back from an injury or some discomfort, the doctors of running truly are doctors. They are doctors of physical therapy. So there's all kinds of information about injury avoidance and making sure you're on the right comeback trail. There's a running performance and rehab section that is deep knowledge for those of us who make this a lifestyle. But in this conversation, we get two of the doctors to come our way and they do not get edited. We let them have the full slate of commentary because we know they are experts. Matthew Klein, Dr. Klein, he is the founder of Doctors of Running and the chief editor for their site and for their own podcast. He is out of California. We talk a little bit about that and we talk about how he grew into this lifestyle and now to the point where he can serve it so well. We also had his colleague, Dr. David Salas on. He's in Southern California, also a doctor of physical therapy as well as a relatively elite runner. They have done every distance. They have had big wins at a variety of levels, but they are not just pretty faces and elite athletes. They are a treasure trove of information, and we are going to open up that chest to you to let you dive into it at your own pace without any interruption right after this brief message. Running makes you feel good. Running is healthy and good for you. Running can even be therapeutic, but running doesn't define you. You are not a runner, but running gives you life. At Big Peach Running Company, we get it. That's why we are the number one running store for those that don't call themselves a runner. That's why our guests use terms like friendly, thoughtful, attentive to describe us in reviews. Come see us at any of our seven metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. You could probably tell from our intro that we were amped up about this. This is going to be a conversation among colleagues. You are going to get the chance to sit in on this, and we will all undoubtedly learn something together today. Like you heard briefly, now you're going to get the more extended version. We have our friends Matthew Klein and David Salas with us. They are part of the Doctors of Running. Very, very cool. Of course, you heard about them in the intro, but now you get to hear them. Matthew, David, thank you for being part of this. It's an honor. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Well, it's our pleasure. And before we dive into just how much you know, and even more for us, the cool factor of this conversation, how generously you share what you know, let's learn a little bit about both of you. And and Matthew is the founder of the Doctors of Running. It would be somewhat shameful, perhaps, if I did not start with you. So maybe a little bit of background on you and maybe even on Doctors of Running, if you would, please. Yeah. So I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I did my education at Western University of Health Sciences and then went on to do an orthopedic residency uh, at Casa Kalina and then did a sport and manual therapy fellowship at Kaiser at Sunset. So huge nerd and geek always trying to learn. Uh, I'm also crazy enough that I'm now doing a PhD at APU uh, in these very same topics. So, you know, I love teaching. I love sharing what I'm learning. And Doctors of Running started out named after me. It was originally Klein Runs DPT. 
And it was very much inspired by individuals like Pete Larson from Run Blogger. As I started out working and running retail, and I was not just going to put shoes on. I was very picky about what shoes I put on my feet. I've always had sensitive feet. And so I really wanted to learn more about what was being, what I was putting on my feet and then realized working and running stores long before all of this, that the consumer really did not understand the marketing that was being thrown at them or shoes that were being thrown at them. Mm. For me, as I tried to learn that, I went, I really want to share this with people. So when I, my first year in PT school, I created this thing and part of, to be honest, part of the inspiration was going, I want to write reviews and get free shoes like Pete Larson. Um, (laughs) But that honestly, I totally gave that up and went, no one's going to send me shoes. This, I'm just going to put this stuff out there because I want to teach people. I want people to have an easier journey than I did to find what worked for me. And so I just kept putting content out there and then it started to grow. Skechers Performance was the first company that reached out to me to go, hey, we'd like you to start reviewing shoes. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. It started to grow and start, more people started sending stuff. So I was like, I need some help. David also went to Western University of Health Sciences. And so I, I saw him steal some of my Strava segments. And I'm like, I need to go to this guy. Um, we started running together. And then shortly after, I was like, hey, David, would you want to jump on here? And he was nice enough to agree to me being to this crazy person asking him to start running in extra shoes and giving him stuff. So started doing that. Nathan came on when I met him during my fellowship um, through a, a really awesome course through Dr. Chris Powers over at USC. It was part of my fellowship. He has been instrumental in driving our connections with footwear companies. And through all of this, like we just keep having more and more people reach out to us and have gotten to know an incredible number of people. Bach was probably the greatest blessing where he reached out to us and he's like, Hey, I've been a long time follower. You know, the social media is what I do. He, we brought him on this last like year or so. And it's just, things are growing at such an incredible rate. The, the key and the, the, the big goal behind the website though, has stayed the same where it's, we are trying to do footwear and talk about running from a rehabilitation and biomechanical standpoint where we're really not here to sell you a shoe. We're here to tell you more about it and tell you who it's going to work for and who it's not going to work for while trying to educate people and help them realize we're not here to say this is the best shoe. We're here to say this is what you probably need to learn as an individual about yourself and here are maybe the shoes that might work for you. So, Well, to some degree, I believe we're kindred spirits. You mentioned your running store background. Obviously, that connects us. I think that will, if nothing else, leak out in some of your answers or in some of the ways we tease you into certain topics. And David, same thing. You're Southern Californian. For those who heard a couple of terms like USC or Western University, you also may have heard APU. Since we're in the South, Matthew, that right. may not be Atlanta's public university. That is Azuna Pacific, I believe. Is that correct? Azusa. It is Azusa Pacific University. Azusa, in California. Yeah, right on. So that's good. We uh, we got that out. If nothing else, we're going to get our university geography down. David, how about a little bit of background on you? Very cool story how you and Matthew met. But what about your background and what drives your interest in these kinds of topics? Oh, totally. So obviously I'm David Salas. I um, am a doctor of physical therapy as well. I went to the same alma mater as Matt. I'm a couple of years after him. So as he was phasing out, I was phasing in. And so I was living in the same rough geographical area. So yeah, I might've sniped a few segments here and there. And 
<laughs> and when we lived in we lived in Chino Hills at the same time, which is again more East Los Angeles, getting towards San Bernardino. Yeah. And we didn't talk to each other, like didn't meet when we actually lived in like the same city. But we still like. Oh yeah, I think we were like my segments. We might have been even like a mile or two apart from each other without knowing it. Yeah, we were. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I've been running for a long time. I did it high school, college, all of that, and. Um, it's funny. I've been, I've always been a big nerd for running in general, whether it's performance or uh, just the sport of it. And I, I give Matt a lot of credit because um, after college, I actually stopped competing. I stopped running. I mean, I still did it recreationally here and there. I just needed a little bit of a break from the sport. And then this guy comes and just hits me up on like every social media platform possible. <laughs> It's like, hey, do you want to go run this weekend? I'm like, uh, sure, why not? And so he convinced me to go eight, and then he convinced me to go what, like 10 or 11 or 12, whatever we went that day. And then I slowly progressed him up. Yeah, I think it might have started at six. And then I, I remember like we hit a certain point, and it was like, are we turning around? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You're like, please, please. And I'm always trying to add on mileage for David. Like, yeah. But no, it's been good. I mean, I've always, I've always been a fan of the sport and, uh, it was, it kind of rekindled that fire a little bit. I started running a little bit more, um, not just for an objective standpoint on shoes, but just for wellness reasons and things like that. And then it kind of started clicking again. And then I kind of got back into the, back into the business, I guess you, you can say. And, um, I've always been connected with the local running stores and I've always had a lot of fun. I never actually worked for them, but a lot of my friends do. Um, I spent some time hanging out there and things like that. So shout out running center in Redlands. That's where I'm originally from. Um, <laughs> and then Santa Barbara running company down here in Santa Barbara. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, it was a straight shot for the most part, as far as my history goes. I mean, I went to, I went to Redlands High School. I went to St. Mary's College up in the Bay Area in Moraga. Um, I got to run in the West Coast Conference, which was a huge blessing. And a lot of big names have come through there from as of recent times. And just an awesome experience. And I uh, started running again and towards the, like halfway through my doctorate, roughly. And um Spent a year working in the Coachella Valley and doing Doctors of Running and then coming out to Santa Barbara uh, about a year ago now. So um, I've been on DOR for, oh man, what is it, two and a half years? Three, I mean, the time's adding up. It's Very more than that. It's been longer than that. See, it goes yeah. by when you're having fun and, and clearly you yeah. are. And I know a lot of our listeners can absolutely appreciate the fact that friendships are formed over running and getting those miles in together and getting to know one another, whether the mileage is easy or sometimes in those moments when you're thinking to David's point, maybe we should turn around and whether you elect to do so or not, that's when you know you found someone you enjoy spending time with. Well, let's dive right into some of the topics that listeners have given us or as we looked at your background, we felt like we would be doing everyone a disservice not to bring up. And maybe I'll start here with both of you as doctors of physical therapy. And before we dive into product, as you can imagine with your background and running stores, certainly with your own performances, both at an elite and recreational level, the truth is running form seems to matter, or at least seems to get a lot more publicity and commentary than it ever has. And there's such a wide variety, of course, of runners and walkers, fitness enthusiasts, people who are just looking for comfortable pairs of shoes, whether it's at a place in Santa Barbara or one of our stores in the Atlanta area. And sometimes form comes up. 
Are there any absolutes or are there any things that you would say from your clinical background or all the patients that you see that you would be saying in a running store these days when that particular topic surfaces? And either doctor can go first. It looks like, uh, Matt, we got you, Dr. Klein. Uh, I, one of the absolutes that I've seen in clinic and based on the literature is that everyone's different when it comes to okay. running form. And you got to realize that every person, you know, there are some things that may be a little bit better than other ones. And, but that really totally changes when you're talking about a recreational runner versus an elite runner. Those are two totally separate populations. I would equate mm. it to the same thing that you would not want a recreational runner doing the same workout an elite runners doing, right? Cause they're too different. It's kind of the same thing. So those that can vary a little bit, especially when you're talking about performance versus longevity, there's a lot, there's a lot to take into account. So I think the biggest the biggest thing is realizing that each person is different, right? We have different lengths of muscles. We have different heights. We have different muscle mass, different bone lengths, which will totally change what optimal running form looks like for each person. And sometimes what the best performance for somebody can also be the thing that injures them the most. That's one of the interesting things that I've gotten, mm. I've gotten to see with some very interesting elite runners. One of the things I learned early on in my career treating this, this interesting group is be very careful what you change running form rise in the elite totally. because they have optimized that to get them where they are. And even if it's hurting them, if you change that, it's going to drop their performance by a significant amount. I still remember the mm. first person I did that to, and I felt horrible because I was like, Hey, you need to change this. And he's like, I can't even run close to what I was doing. And I was, I, that's why they call it a practice, right? Cause you're, you learn, <laughs> right. This is early on in my career. But running form is one of those things where if you're going to make a change to it, expect to be in for the long haul because your body needs to adapt to it. Mm, a lot of people advice. like recreational runners just need to focus on their strength. They need to focus on, you know, training smart. I'm going to throw this over to Dr. Silas over here. David, what do you, I want your comments since David is, uh, is getting that sub elite elite runner. I'm curious to know what you think both from treating patients as well as being one yourself. Yeah, when, when people ask me that question, I usually pull the phone and, I, and I, I put a video of you running. And I say, he's healthier than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> I well, we may put that in our show form. notes, perhaps. Yeah. We'll have a video <laughs> link. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I Actually, like... no, there is a video of us running side by side. Oh, there is. Run. That's right. And you're like, one of those... <laughs> <laughs> So running form can, can look different, it sounds like. And, and David, with that more elite background, obviously perform at the high, highest levels in that Western conference. What is it that you've learned about yourself as you've transitioned to whether it's this role or seeing patients where you can balance your own personal experience, what you're hearing from those who you see in your clinic? Oh, totally. I mean, so much of what we do is performance driven. I mean, even from recreational to elite, um, say you just have someone coming in and they want to be able to run 15 minutes, two or three times a week for general wellness to them. That's something they're striving for at this moment mm -hmm. when I'm seeing them, they can't do that. And so they, they have their own milestones and things they're working towards and um, having the, the mindset's the same. The stage is just different. And so it's basically like this um, intrinsic drive to, to better yourself and to, to, to basically take that baseline 
I'm, I'm, it's so hard not having the camera and then talking, but I'm like doing so many gestures with my hands. And then I realize it's not being seen, but <laughs> they like, still matter. Yeah. But taking that baseline that you have and being able to just nudge it and shift it forward. And so many people want to do that. So whether it's competing at sub five minute pace per mile for whoever, however long, or just running casually i mean if you just want to run your first 5k that's still a big deal i mean there's so many people that that's that's what their introduction to running is and so it's they they go from sedentary then they do a 5k then they do a 10k then they do a half marathon before you know it they're dropping 26.2 more times a year than i am and so i mean it's really a beautiful thing but so much of it's just mindset and and having that growth mindset and being willing to just trust the process and and gradually scale things appropriately um, i totally i totally agree with david by the way the scaling things appropriately that's some of the, the biggest run it like i said running form there there is a place for it in terms of looking at it right there's ways to optimize the performance you cannot ignore biomechanics but at the same time training load optimizing recovery there are other things that need to, to be looked at as well. So, and the problem is that so many of these people have learned, like elites have learned to optimize different forms, which like look at Paula Radcliffe or Priska Jeptu, although she was doping. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite would be Kenisa Bekele. Yeah. Because he has very, very distinct changes in his form. If you watch him when he's running slow versus when he's running fast, I mean... His, his cadence completely changes his for his, his striking pattern changes everything about what he's doing like you just see this gear shift but so much of that I don't think is is intentional that's it's a very natural progression for him when he switches the gear he switches the gear but a lot of that's reinforced through drills or biomechanics things like that and it's not it's not something that he's going out on a run and saying make sure I lift my heel like this make sure I snap my foot down like this and if I, if I don't hit 180 beats per minute, you know, like it's the end of the world. It's, I don't think he's out there doing that. I think they're just focusing more on the process and getting the motor control and the patterns down when they're not running. When, when you're doing your skips, you're doing your strides, you're doing kind of your ancillary work. It's, it's not something that you're going out for a 10 mile run. And for eight of those miles, you're harping on yourself because you're starting to get tired. And like, oh, make sure I do this. Make sure I do this. I'm, I'm gesturing with my hands and my knees. That's <laughs> invalid what he, right now. But. What he's saying is like it's it's a result <laughs> of a lot of other factors. So there, it is yeah. something you can certainly change. We have to realize there's a lot of things that go into it. And sometimes it's better, especially from a motor control standpoint, to go, hey, there's some other things you can do to work on it rather than trying to control it during the run because the mm. less you have to think about it the better if you start worrying about your running form it will decrease your performance because your body yes. has to relearn that and I, I personally went through that so um i used to actually look kind of like klein going into college and then in my freshman slash sophomore year we we changed my striking pattern and I, I did have a performance drop and it took and i had a lot of injury problems with it too and then eventually i kind of started coming back around a little bit more by my senior year but it was uh biomechanics can be huge something as small as shifting where you're landing on your foot and if you're doing it intentionally multiply that over however many thousand steps you're taking in just one run and then multiply that over weeks versus months and seasons so and trying to figure out why is a whole different question yeah 
Well, and obviously this lifestyle is intended to serve us through a variety of age groups as we kind of pass from one to the other. And I think that that's an important reminder that there are going to be those dips and there are going to be those challenges. But whether we make subtle adjustments or we just recognize that if we stick with it and we have our own form, to some degree, that might get us through to the other side. It's maybe when we make drastic changes and expect that it's immediately or maybe even drastically going to get better quickly and then we get frustrated and then we throw our hands up and we walk away from it and you are telling us don't let that be the case those of you who are injured right now or seeing performance dips do not lose that faith that you are going to come back you are going to get better you are going to eventually feel healthy again all of these things when you make changes it takes time right Mm. so we're not telling you don't change your running form just know that if that's something of interest to you and we haven't really we don't have enough evidence to suggest that changing your running form is going to improve performance in each person. And certain people may help, and certain people may not. It just takes time. Well, and and there are some who have time, and I'm going to use this as a way to kind of connect that biomechanical knowledge, even background both of you have with the obvious interest and now tremendous content you've put out there about product because there are those who can spend their day thinking about perhaps where they land or doing drills perhaps at for 30 or 60 minutes at a time just to get better. But the rest of us, we have other professional responsibilities. We have families. We might even have, believe it or not, other hobbies. And we can't just turn this into an 8, 10, 12 hour per day undertaking. And with that, we came out of the Olympic Games not that long ago, despite the fact that it was not originally an Olympic year. Tokyo is barely in the rear view. And one of the things that I found to be particularly interesting, I think it was over 60% of the athletes who ended up on the podium in Tokyo were wearing products from Nike. And Nike's had some great technology really over the last few years, even not to mention the long history, things like ZoomX, React, Infinity, Vaporfly, Next Percent, stuff that you see at Big Peach Running Company. If you could see the screen, you would see Dr. Klein even has in his hands in his laboratory. But then we look at where Nike is currently on our roster of suppliers, just based on volume, thinking about it as a retailer, even more as a runner. And the reality is right now, as we are midway through 21, Nike's not even a top five brand for us. Doesn't mean we're not very thankful for our partnership with that brand. Doesn't mean that we don't believe they have a very proud history and a tremendous amount of potential in the future. But how do you reconcile that difference, gentlemen, where they are to some degree, hardly a major player in our business at the exact same moment, they are undoubtedly a driving force in the recently completed Olympic games. How does something like that become the case? Uh, Well, some of its pockets, I mean, Nike is the largest sports company on the planet. Adidas is up there with them. Uh, They have the resources and the funds available to, to kind of take chances on shoes and to, to go and do, I hate to call it a big marketing stunt. These are amazing athletes doing great performances, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But so much of the industry is representing a brand, and if Nike has the most money to pay for the best athletes or Adidas or these other ones, they're going to get them on their feet. They're going to be out there, and they're going to be seen. And so people are going to be constantly fed with this this constant flow of Nike and Adidas, whether it's the Vaporfly or the Alpha Fly on Kipchoge's feet on the sub two attempt or um, 
or with the Audios Pro 2 getting that half marathon world record not that long ago, or Audios Pro 1, either one. Um, or you watch the Adidas Fifth Street Avenue Mile or whatever it is, or that the Commonwealth thing that they do with the, the where they put a track on the road. Like so much of it's set up around marketing to, to get visibility to them. Um, but everyone's making good stuff. The more and more that I try all of these different companies, this is what I tell people on a daily basis. Everyone's making good shoes. It's just kind of like, mm. what is what is most comfortable for you? And what, 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 what works best for you? Because Klein will tell you, me and him have differed on many shoes. And what works really well for him might not work well for me. And we're both runners. We both run pretty high mileage. And we both have been doing it for a long time. And we both have two completely different um, interests on, on certain shoes. So um, I think part of the reason why we're seeing so much, on, especially on the performance division with Nike and Adidas, um, we're seeing the Vaporfly, we're seeing the Audios Pro 2, but when you look in the store, on the local running store, um, their shelves, you're seeing more of like your Brooks Ghost. You're seeing mm-hmm. your, um, uh, why am Maybe. I blanking now, Saucony Ride. You're seeing your Nike Pegasus. Well, Nike Pegasus is still around, but um, yep. <laughs> more your traditional trainers is where I'm going with this. Your Mizuno Wave Riders, your shoes like that. And even on our own site, Klein talked about this earlier, those are our biggest hits. I think the Adidas Boston 10, as of lately, was one of the top ones. The Hoka Arahi was a big one. Um, they're not really flashy shoes immediately, but they're the ones that are drawing the most interest because that's what the most people are wearing. So, I think you have to look. There's a difference between you know what you're seeing in terms of on-screen marketing what you're seeing the elite athletes wear for competition and where the average recreational runner is what they're looking for right and so and that comes down to comfort most people are going to look for a shoe that's comfortable they're not necessarily Mm. looking for there's there's some of you know like david and i are using it if we're going to go race we're looking for something that we know is going to be the fastest shoe and it's going to work best for us and we're looking to run as quickly as possible somebody running the Olympics is looking for the fastest shoe they can possibly get. That goal isn't always what people are, are looking for. The majority of the United States population is looking for a shoe that's comfortable and it's going to get them to the end of their run. So you're gonna, yeah, you're going to see a huge dichotomy in what people are looking for. And, you know, David and I love a carbon fiber, like super shoe as much as anybody, but that doesn't mean it's always appropriate, right? These are not meant for what, what you see on TV is not always appropriate for each person. We know people are different. We know they have different goals. Do you really need an alpha fly for going out for a jog? No, probably not. Right. If your goal is to run two or three miles a week, right. You know, there are some things associated with those shoes that do as as fast as they are. There are some things that make them in some people, it may increase injury risks. We don't have enough evidence on this. This is just clinical. Other people, they do really well with those shoes. Not everybody needs that. And that's that's kind of the point of our website is is educating people to go. Let us help you find what works for you and what work for may work for you may not be what the fastest person in the world is working and that's okay, right? Because their needs and your needs are not the same. And we see that. So we see this all the time where, you know, we're part of running shoe geeks, work geeks, our shoe geeks ourselves, And we're always interested in the newest carbon stuff, but you're the average United States person, probably worldwide as well. Most people are looking for a comfortable shoe and we know that comfort is one of the few things that's actually predictive of injury risk in running. 
And so we always tell people, don't worry what's the flashiest, fastest shoe. Worry about what's the most comfortable thing for you. And and oftentimes, to be honest with you, what you're and you you both see this all the time, and we see it in our local running stores too. It's still your Mizuno Rave Rider, your Saucony Ride, your a lot of these classic tried and true shoes that these are designed for people to get the bulk of their miles on. What you're seeing people race in, in the Olympics is not necessarily the same shoe that they are also training in most of the time. You're seeing a small yeah. percentage of what they do. So yeah, I'd say for the most part, these shoes, you know, I'm holding up like the Fuel Cell RC Elite 2. These are sexy shoes, don't get me wrong, but these are not designed to be trained in, right? They're designed for racing. I think people still need to be looking at your your traditional running shoes for a lot of the bulk of their miles. And most of the reps that we talk to and most of the developers are going, yeah, that's what we're designing the shoes for. They're not designed to be trainers. So you're still going to see these, you know, Nike makes a lot of shoes that are sponsored by, a, that a lot of people are wearing, but they're not wearing them for training. Even some of the, you know, so you got to ask yourself, what are they training in? Because people use different shoes. And I think we're always going to see people still gravitate toward some of the ones that were mentioned because they're comfortable and not everybody wants to go blow their lungs out trying to finish it like like it run a sub like 15 5k or a sub square marathon so yeah. we're always going to see that and the same thing we see on our website where it's like the majority of people are still looking for the wave rider the new balance 860 the 108 all that stuff so i think we're going to still see that in local running stores where you're getting a better glimpse of what the real running population looks like versus a small elite that's awesome. And go back and listen to that term that both Dr. Klein and Dr. Salas indicated comfortable matters. I thought maybe at the onset of this, we might have to say something along the lines of the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect that of Big Peach Running Company. But hearing you guys say that, that was a completely unnecessary lead in. I'm glad we didn't go with that because it seems like we all sing the same notes there, comfort absolutely matters. And certainly you kind of touched on also the intent and the intent is different for that person who wants to run a few miles, a few days a week and someone who can do it as a professional aspiration. And then ultimately maybe even in the Olympic games, love the transparency of these guys. Again, we're talking to the doctors of running that is doctors, D O C T O R S of running.com. A lot of great content there. You do do individual shoe reviews. And I say this both truthfully and somewhat comically that even in a running store, it's tough for those of us who are absolutely shoe nerds to spend 30 minutes talking about one particular model or update, but you guys are able to pull that off almost without trying and certainly without breaking a sweat. So I don't think this is an unfair question. What are some of the coolest things that you're seeing very recently or maybe in 2021, or do you have some products that you just maybe both applaud and you love what they do or what they've done to bring that to market? Either David, doctor. you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is cutouts. Like taking a midsole and then making a giant chunk where you cut it out through the mid, like whether it's down ah. the middle of the shoe or across the middle or like people are just innovating out of their mind right now and they are <laughs> to, to, to save weight. And so there's a shoe that I can't speak about that has plenty of it and it actually so, so let me really well. so, let, let me ask you this i won't put you on the spot or have you divulge a secret that somehow you obtained and even big peach running company did not but you did mention weight how light 
can an everyday trainer go? Big Peach Running Company started in 2004. And I remember when, you know, what the performance trainers were, and they were under 10 ounces on the men's side. Usually it was a size 9.0 that was that sample size. And if you get a performance trainer under 10 ounces, you felt pretty good. Now almost everything seems to be headed in that direction, including that everyday high mileage. How low can we go with a everyday shoe in the weight? That with an everyday up. shoe. I, I think that's a relative question though. Cause it's like, if you can handle something that low profile, cause you could take something like a Nike streak LT. I know people that have used that as daily trainers or uh, Reebok forever. Uh, what, not the forever Reebok uh, float ride, run fast pro two or run fast pro one. Like what's that? It's like 3.4 ounces or something ridiculous. Mm. And people are using that as well. So um I don't that know if is ridiculous. Than that, though. That's pretty light. <laughs> I think for the, the average person, again, weight is so relative now, right? Because we're getting these lighter foams, lighter shoes, mm-hmm. lighter uppers. I don't know if weight is going to be the biggest indicative factor anymore of how much shoe there is. Because we have these shoes, you know, some of these shoes now have insane amounts of cushioning behind, insane stack heights, but they're still like seven ounces or eight ounces totally. in the considered a trainer. So, I think it depends. I don't know if we can use weight anymore as an addictive factor of going, what's a reliable daily trainer, just because there's so many other factors or, in there. Or on the flip side, what is a racing shoe and what isn't a racing shoe? Because it wasn't that long ago when I wouldn't really consider racing in something that was over like six ounces. You know, I was so used to the traditional cross country flat, you know, something very minimal, with a good amount of tread on it and a very minimalistic upper. And that was that was your racing shoe. And like with the birth of these high stack shoes, it was like it took me a while to even like want to to, to go in on them. So let's go to the other side of the spectrum where we think about, you know, really light, whether it's 3.4 ounces, whether it's a competitive shoe at six, whether it's a lot of people who are doing, you know, racing, even if it's in their own mind in what would be considered an everyday trainer and maybe anywhere from, you know, eight and a half to, to 11 and a half ounces. The other side of the spectrum is that shoe that can just fit a lot of different foot types. And it seems to get a lot of volume that way. Are, are you seeing or maybe even recommending products in your clinics now just because they seem to be worth trying on for a lot of different people? Anything that you might recommend or, or just acknowledge? Uh, I don't think so. I think the, both, I can hopefully, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but both of us, since we're looking at the individual in front of us, we we're trying to really match as much as we can to them. And even at the end of the day, it's still comfort based. So I think okay. there's so much variety out there and there's, there's really not a shoe that's like, Oh, everybody's working well on this. It's just like, right. We're going to like them. Some people are not. And so I don't think there's one necessarily we're recommending. It's like, we it's, talk about like, there's no such thing as a best shoe. because It's so individualized. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is like, there's some that seem to be working pretty well for the masses. I mean, like if you look at like what the Reebok Forever Footride Energy, for being a shoe that's only like 99 bucks, it's got a pretty good last on it, a decent amount of cushion and traction, pretty versatile. And I think the upper on it's pretty expansive overall. So even if it, it runs a little bit on the wider side throughout, and it seems like people that have some problem, whether like, I don't know, like wide or narrow. It seems like people do pretty well in that shoe overall. Um, but so much of it's individualized. Like, I, I don't know if I could pick one shoe out and be like, yeah, that's the one that seems to, to work for everyone. But 
That, that is, well, there we is, have models. There's an exception to that rule, actually. Of, and David, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things, because again, we're not always working with runners. For people that are standing for long periods of time, right? We, I personally have been suggesting shoes that have a little more cushioning to them because I, I, I get to work with a lot of healthcare workers, so mm-hmm. fellow nurses or other PTs who are on their feet all day and they're having problems with that. A shoe that maybe has just a teeny bit more stability but a little more stack height those seem to be working really, really well for hospital workers and people and anybody else. It's like people in retail, people that are on their feet for a long period of time. There is some variety. Um, in the past, I would have said only Hoka, but there's some other great companies that are coming out yep. with, with higher stack shoes that also work well for longer standing. So totally. though, that's, that's probably one of the exceptions into that rule is people on their feet for long periods. not just Or if, if you have someone with like really stiff ankles and you give them something that has a nice rocker on it, that usually seems to do pretty well too. Awesome. That that's great guidance. And obviously we can pull retail statistics all day long and, you know, we have a top three, a top five, a top 10, and it is amazing really what percentage of our business is in our top five, seven, 10 models. I mean, it's almost astounding on occasion when we look at this and like, man, we just keep sending a lot of these same pairs, different colors out the door. They must fit a lot of foot types particularly well, but we understand how individual it is what's not necessarily individual though seems to be what manufacturers are doing to continuously improve and dr salas used the term innovate that the innovation is just non-stop and i also wondered years ago how long they could keep that up doing something new doing something noteworthy and maybe it's an endless pot and not to suggest you guys have even a crystal ball to look into, but you guys are studying this even more deeply than we are. If you look into the future, whether it's six months or a few years, what are some of the cool things that you believe might be coming down the pike based on that continuous innovation that our manufacturing partners have shown for decades now? Uh, I would probably say the natural pathway of the foot, the, the actual true biomechanical nature of movement. Mm. Where I'm going with that is you look at what everyone's doing to try and facilitate natural motion. You look at the Carbon X2, they have that cutout through the great toe. The Puma Deviate Nitro Elite has something similar, but it's on the contralateral end of the plate. Uh, You look at Adidas using the energy rods instead of a plate to try and mimic the metatarsals and present some rigidity through the forefoot to, to roll off of. I think everyone's trying to, to synthesize all the information that we're gathering and how can we best optimize gait? How can we optimize the fluidity of the mechanics, kind of looking away from just how cushioned a midsole is or energy return or things like that, looking more, how can we make this a more natural experience? Um, I think that's where the innovation currently is pushing, it seems like. And um yeah, it's just, it's just a wild west because you can go through so many different theoretical principles and then create something and just put it on your foot and be like, how is this? And then, yeah. I totally agree with Dr. Salas. We've had this conversation where people nowadays are getting focused on like, what's the best foam? What's the best plate? I, I totally agree where I think companies are going to start working on how can we create a shoe that really lends itself to optimizing each person's mechanics to the best possible way. I mean, you know, we're seeing things from like ASICs, for example, with the Keanu Light 2, where they're trying to do geometric stability, for example. And it's not just about stability, but, you know, 
that even that term is changing and they're going talking about how do we like guide people through their their best movement pattern whatever that might be and recognizing that yeah one size doesn't fit all so how do we optimize each person's individual gait and so i think we're going to see some very cool things with more individualized footwear coming up and people have been working on that for years i think you guys know that with like customized footwear it's been this kind of thought process and people are doing it on a smaller scale of like 3d printing um footwear but i think that is probably the next stage of going how do we make individualized footwear for the consumer um but i think that's closer than we think especially as all these companies try to figure out not just how do we make the fastest shoe but how do we make the fastest like a shoe the fastest for each person so Mm. it's cool well, and we had one of those speed factories from Adidas in the Atlanta area. Now it has since gone away. It didn't necessarily take, at least here, and it's it's not there. But I think that speaks to that, Dr. Klein, where more customization, more even perhaps domestic production, and certainly closer to where the market is so you can get it to market even more quickly. I don't know right now how many are aware of a lot of the global supply challenges that exist. I almost wonder if some of the innovation is on pause a little bit, but I have a question here from a listener that I think is a good one. And I'm just going to go ahead and and read this and, and get your take. They obviously are familiar with your content and your deep knowledge. Their question is, it seems like there are some hints that footwear manufacturers are going to become more environmentally responsible. To what degree is that true? And to what degree will that be more true in the future? Any comments that you guys would make on that? I think it's a great question. David, we got to be careful with those ones. We don't blow anybody's cover, but. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I think I can, I think I can keep it. All the secrets yeah. that we should, we should have loaded you up with margaritas or something before we actually fired up the mic. Tacos and margaritas. <laughs> We are big taco fans over it. Okay, I'll remember that in the future. Tacos and margaritas. All right, we'll get all your secrets <laughs> next time. Uh, I mean, in- environmental stuff is super important. Um, we're already starting to see that from several different companies, and I think that's going to be a huge driving force going forwards, especially given current day events. David, what do you think? Or Dr. Salas? Yeah, I mean, there's no secret the earth is changing. And I think a lot of companies are just trying to do their part. Anytime you're running a large manufacturing project, you're going to have waste product. And if you can find a way to minimize that and leave a better uh, impression on the planet, that's that's always a good thing. So I, I, whether or not they're making the entire shoe recyclable or... They're just trying to, maybe it's a eucalyptus upper, upper, but the midsole is still a certain foam or whatever they're doing. I think as long as they're making an active effort and they're trying, I think that's all we can really ask from companies. There are some companies that are probably going to take a larger initiative on that and really try to, to maximize on that. But I think it's really hard from a, from a manufacturing and production standpoint to not have waste and to make it all biodegradable, I think is asking almost too much from these running companies, if I'm being honest. Um, Yeah, but I think as long as they're trying and they're putting an honest effort out there and like if they can get 50 to 60% utilization on the recycling thing, that's huge. That's already going to think about how many shoes roll out of those factories. Like that's, that's massive. So. 
and what we're seeing, by the way, from our talks with people is that that is going to be really important in the future. It's a, it's a direction a lot of companies are taking, even just partially. Like, you know, ASICs is a great example that they're, they're uppers and they're starting to focus much more on environmentally friendly materials. Lots mm-hmm. of other co- companies are doing that, too. So to answer the question, I think that's going to be a huge driving factor going forward, mm-hmm. which is going to be interesting, as, as Dr. Sloss mentioned, because the amount of waste that's created with this with the production of these, you know, items it's definitely making them think. I'm curious. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, what they're going to do, and what materials they're going to use. But that's definitely going to be, I think, something that's going to be driving forward, or at least saying that they are. Whether or not they actually are, I have no idea. They're not in the factories, but they're definitely going to market it. I know. Oh, we're so certainly, true. And we're starting to see some, you know, put commitments out there and even some time frames to doing certain things, which is which is pretty cool. Certainly a, a very good question. I've got another question here and and somebody mentioned earlier foams and the fact that they're getting lighter what is apparently true is the number of times that whether it's a new name or truly new technology or something that's proprietary there is some newness to foams that didn't exist for a long time we obviously had you know certain materials that everybody was using almost forever and now whether the materials are radically different or not i don't actually know but they certainly seem to be talking about it more and naming them all something different on a regular basis so the question goes like this for foam material that is no longer eva it seems to be changing more quickly than ever before where do you believe foam not just production but technology for the benefit of the walker or runner is headed. Is there a true foam nirvana or should we just expect things to continuously change and not settle on anything in particular? That's a That's really a good, good question. question. Uh, I think, you know, I, I would expect things, there's probably going to be like lulls and then dry, like t- times of drive, like anytime, like for like EVA was around forever. Yep. And I'm sure something similar might happen, but we don't know because there's so much innovation going on. Even EVA is still being used, but in different forms, right? So they're using like expanded EVA, for example, like nitrogen expanded, putting different gases into it. And now that's expanded into other companies where they're they're doing the same process with different uh, soil materials. So that's a good question. I don't know the answer. I think we're, we're seeing some interesting things with P-backs, but that's not that's not the only foam that's out there. The P-ba, no, TPU, expanded TPU, expanded yeah. EVA. There's some cool things that's happening with nitrogen injected foams. So I don't I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. I think the injection injected foams is very interesting. I'm curious if something new is going to pop up. Is it, and this is all going to like biochemistry and biochem like chemistry and uh chemical engineering going what's the newest thing they're going to make so mm-hmm. i don't know i'm excited to see i don't know where things are going to go right that, that's that's when these footwear companies start to branch off and it's like they're no longer just making shoes i mean they got material science guys on the team phds coming in with research experience r d you know I mean this is chemistry quite literally i mean you're t- you're creating a foam and then using a a gaseous substance to try and aerate it and make it lighter and decrease the density while still maintaining a certain bounce rate or, you know, like it, it's getting pretty wild. So it's, I think people have off, so many options now that it's like, it's, it's just taken off. So are we going to see more innovation innovation? I would bet. Yes. Where, if it's going to stop on one thing, probably not, but who knows. And, and not for long, it doesn't seem the last, 
last five years have been amazing. It's, it's no, a good question. Really? And I think it sounds like change is going to remain constant and it's going to happen quite regularly. All right. This is a little bit of a lightning round for the doctors. Again, we're talking to the doctors of running. Can't wait to share all they've done in our show notes. If you can't wait, go to doctorsofrunning.com right away and you'll get more than what you could possibly imagine. It is the greatest value out there in terms of running insight and insight that you will use to make yourself better. So here's how the lightning round works. Dear doctor, it is going to be three different questions. I'm going to have both of you just answer it relatively briefly to the extent that doctors are capable of doing that. You don't get to choose the questions. That's my responsibility. First, the best running advice you've ever been given. Who gets to take that first? The best I'll running do. advice you've ever been given. So it's not coming from you. It was coming from someone else. It landed on you at the right time or somehow in the right manner. And now you're willing to share it. I think you'll see the changes in consistency. Mm. Consistency is where you'll find the changes. You want to improve. You're going to have to do it in repetitive and, and, and develop a true adaptation to something. So consistency. That sounds like it came from a coach. How oh, about you, Dr. Good. Klein? I would say, remember that for as hard as you're working, the actual improvements happen during the recovery. Yes. Oh, wow. So recovering and sleep are probably the most important things you can do. And if you are not, ha- if you do not have those, good luck. Dr. David from the coach, that sounds, Dr. Matt, like it might have come from the classroom or the lab or perhaps just personal experience over a few years. All of Actually, that would have been my other one, yeah, is uh, you're only as good as you recover. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's why we ask these questions. How about that? That is a gold nugget. Okay, next. The key in your estimation, personal opinions absolutely are welcome to longevity for runners or walkers or what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle. What would be that one or two things that you say, these are the keys to longevity? Train smart and be as strong as possible. If you are not strength training as a runner, you are missing out. Mm, awesome. How about you, Dr. Salas? I feel like mine's pretty similar. I was going to say enjoyment and variability. So make sure you enjoy it still and, and switch it up every once in a while. That, that'll be, that's always good. Get a couple different, uh, just motor, like neurons, get, get some different stuff cycling. Whether you're going faster, slower, trail, road, track, just, just variety. Wow. That is really good. We say this is a lifestyle. You cannot have it as a lifestyle without longevity. Go back and listen to what they just said. Okay. Here, this comes from somebody who I asked for a question and they figured that maybe now your ability to go out and enjoy your own running gets all screwed up because of all the things you're thinking about, whether on the run or with the product you're testing or with the content you might be formulating in your mind or for that next post. What is that ideal run for you these days with all the cool things that are going on with the doctors of running? What does that ideal run feel or look like to you? I mean, I've definitely had a workout messed up because I'm thinking about how the shoe feels. <laughs> they So they were right. The estimation is accurate that sometimes you just can't do it the same way you could, you know, five years ago before this thing was really humming. So nowadays, knowing that it could get screwed up, knowing that it does occasionally get screwed up. What's the ideal run for you, Dr. David? 
I feel like an easy four to six miles is plenty for me to just kind of get enjoy the run while still getting some thoughts in and out. I can kind of just have fun and feel good. It's, and it's is that on the roads of Santa Barbara? Is there a, a, a an off-road location? Is it with someone? Is it by yourself? Is it with the aftershocks on? Or is it just listening to whatever <laughs> might be naturally around you? Come on, got to give us some details here. Oh, totally. Okay, either solo or with my guys. I mean, I got a few training partners out here that are amazing. So we meet up a few times a week. Uh, for me, the Moore Mesa is one of my most favorite places on the planet it's like these bluff trails where you can get probably three to four miles in just one loop uh and it goes along the cliff side of santa barbara it's it's hard to beat the beauty there so it's super serene and relaxing and you got some packed dirt and some sand and a little bit of trail in there if you want it so dude well done you got a 10 out of 10 once i prompted you a little bit i felt like i was there next time we're out visiting hoka i'm gonna call you say i want to go on that ideal run you described on episode number 113 how about you dr klein what does it look like and feel like for you i i totally agree by the way that with the volume the number of shoes that we test like some obviously there are some shoes that are going to work for me or the uh, other test david david there are other ones that are going to that will not work so it can easily ruin a run Mm. Um, my, my favorite, my favorite runs is the run I can turn my brain off. Um, so either like super long runs in the mountains with my wife, who's a professional runner, uh, or my favorite one where I can't think, cause I have a very overactive brain, like overactive <laughs> is long uphill climbs or long. Oh, wow. You always have liked those. Yeah. Though they're yeah. so painful. I can't think about anything else. Except surviving. So where's so, an uphill right now? Take us. Give us the same kind of uh, geographic specificity when my, that Dr. Solostin. My, my wife is the opposite where she hates these, even though she's really good at them. So one of the classic ones, unfortunately, is closed at the moment because of some of the fires that we had last mm. year. But Monrovia Canyon Park, right above me, um, there is a road that goes all the way up. Like, I forget. It's like, I think almost like eight, 7,000 feet incline, like up this steep road that goes all the way up to the top of uh, Monrovia Canyon or the Monrovia peak that's up above us. Um, that's one I've done once. And then I used to grind on that one all the time, but then it got closed with the fire. So ho that's hopefully going to open at the end of this month. The other one that's a favorite of mine is anything near Mount Baldy. So I know this is not the safest route, but I do train on Mount Baldy road. Yeah. All the time. Um, <laughs> Most people look at me and go, you run on that? How do you not get killed? But that's another, like, grinder that I really like. Um, or uh, Glendora Mountain Road is another one that's safer that you can just – it's, like, 21-plus miles of straight-up hill you can just grind up. And I can hear my wife yelling at me, like, from way back going, you suck. Why did we do this route? She's like, flat. <laughs> and then she does a race like that and destroys everyone. So, Yeah. Anything in the mountains, though, is is the best because it's very easy to get lost mentally and stop the normal, like, just overactivity that I have in my brain. Well, I love that you have that overact over uh, maybe overstimulated because that means you probably have a good memory. Last question. I'm going to send it to the founder, Dr. Klein, Doctors of Running. You were in Atlanta when the world looked a little bit different than what it does even right now you were yeah, the week at the olympic trials you mentioned your wife who's a professional runner obviously 
actually did the trials. We had the good fortune of having you in our Midtown store during some of the festivities that we had. So given the fact that you're speaking to Atlanta's running, walking, pedestrian active population, take us to a memory you had when you came to Atlanta for that, something that is still special to you and your wife right now. That way, all of us can enjoy this trip down memory lane and think about the way things used to be while we take this information you've shared with us into the future. But what do you remember about your time in Atlanta? I think the people was probably the biggest memory is how kind Mm. everyone was. Uh, I obviously didn't have a car. So everywhere I went, I ran. Um, I ran to the, the Midtown store and bought a pair of Saucony Endorphin Pros before we got them just so I could write a review early on. I ran back to the hotel with the box and people were still smiling and waving and like, oh, like anywhere else be like, look at this weirdo. He probably stole something. But everywhere, <laughs> people were nice. No matter what part of town I ran into, people were very kind. They were understanding. They waved. It was really, it was really nice. So the community there is really something that's special that I really enjoyed. I also enjoyed just seeing a local running store, getting to run to all of you guys and seeing what was going on. The community associated with the trials was incredible. The energy that was, in, was amazing. Like even my wife, that was, that was a really hard course. Um, but she said mm. she could still feel the energy from the crowd and the people there. And that was something that was really incredible. Favorite memory I think was like getting to watch her while she's competing oh, sure. and still getting my mileage in. Like I still got 21 miles that day <laughs> running around watching her. Uh, then at the end running around Atlanta trying to find a store that sold crutches because she could not walk after the race. So, you know, had so many really awesome people like direct me through four different stores to go, Hey, we're calling here. We have crutches at this place like, head over there. I just run over it. So it was come back. And my wife is just like, where have you been? I'm like, <laughs> ran like an additional eight miles to make sure I got you crutches. And she was fine. She didn't need them, but it's just, the community was really special. Uh, and people that had such big hearts. And that's something we both remember. It was a really cool experience. Wow, that's awesome. Kindness matters, Atlanta. We are not just a pretty face. We are not just now one of the 10 fittest cities in the United States. We also are known for that kindness, for that community that Dr. Klein just mentioned. Keep it up for sure. They are friends of this community. They are doing unbelievably meaningful work that we're going to continue to expose you to. They are newfound friends of ours. They are the doctors of running. Thanks to both of you for being part of this. We certainly look forward to staying in touch and wish you all the best with all that you're doing. Thank you guys so much for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It is our pleasure. And of course, as always, we are not yet done. Homestretch is next. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back after this brief message. At Big Peach Running Company, we take pride in listening to your needs. We take into account the shape of your feet, previous injuries, and activity level to guide you to comfortable shoes for your feet. Whether you're a runner, walker, fitness enthusiast, or simply need comfortable shoes to wear, we offer the best customer experience in the friendliest environment. It's no wonder we've been voted one of the best running stores in America by our fans. Visit any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free fit assessment and video gate analysis. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. We told y'all that was going to be cool and incredibly helpful. And D2, I think they delivered. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those the, those guys, they uh, they follow us on Twitter. I've interacted with them on Twitter. It was, it, you know, I think the first time I interacted with them, uh, they let me know that they actually came into our store during the Olympic marathon trials to purchase the Endorphin Pro because that was the only way you could get it at that time. It was exclusive mm. to us. And so they were traveling, I think, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Klein's, um, you know, wife now um she was running in the olympic trial so he was visiting and so he made a point of coming to our midtown store and checking out the festivities and uh so that's where he first got introduced to us and had a great time here in atlanta and uh so i've been kind of interacting with them through twitter and uh they're a big supporter uh, of ours um you know even though they're overall on the west coast uh primarily you know they they still support us uh they remember uh, their visit and uh so that's kind of cool well, it'd be fun to have them back. Hopefully something will bring them back our way. It'd be cool to have them in store or just to keep this new friendship going. It does make me, after hearing that and having even a renewed confidence, I may be able to stay healthy for the long term. I may be able to keep my enthusiasm level for this lifestyle forever. And yet, is there a place I can get some training? Is there anything I might be able to do to get ready for a race this fall or perhaps in the future? Do you know any source for me? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we have our Run ATL Fall Half Marathon training program, which is targeted for those that are racing a half marathon on Thanksgiving Day. There's several uh, here in the Atlanta area and probably all over you know, the country where there's a turkey trot or a half marathon or something. So we do have a half marathon training program that is currently open and uh, you know open for registration. So it is a 12-week training program. You'll receive a weekly email with uh, tips and um, you know to get you prepared for the race that's focused on a variety of different things, including you know some some resistance training, some running form, nutrition advice. Um, you know, including hydration and what to fuel and, and a lot of different things um, to get you to that starting line uh, in the best shape and, and also in, in a healthy shape. You know, we don't want anyone to get injured. So it's a very uh, kind of, uh, you know, 12-week uh, kind of a very generic approach uh, for beginners and intermediate, um, you know, uh, runners that are attempting that half marathon. So if this is your first half marathon, then, then definitely follow the beginner training program. If you are, you know, a season uh, half marathoner or someone that's trying to PR, then you know consider going into the uh, intermediate program. And of course, I'm available to answer any questions. And if there's something that comes up as far as you know something you might want to adjust you know, your training uh, plan either because of work, life, travel, or something like that, and uh, you know you have specific questions as to how to adjust that training plan, I'm available to answer those questions. Um, or if you have anything specific that is, um, that's bothering you, injury, um, you know, something that's preventing you from, from moving forward in the training program, I'm here to help out. And he will stop at nothing to help you. D2, I've seen that firsthand. Thank you for what you do as a coach. Obviously, as we wind this episode down, once again, thank you for everything you do to master and mix this uh, audio affair for us. And of course, one more time, thank you to Dr. David, to Dr. Klein for joining us, the Doctors of Running. Again, check them out, doctorsofrunning.com. And of course, follow with us. It'll be just two weeks. We'll be back. Another great episode to unveil. Do not miss it. In the meantime, as we always say, as we certainly mean, may your best miles be those covered on foot. So long, everybody. 